0: Welcome everybody, you are listening to the Sack Attack Fantasy Football Podcast and the Fantasy Football Advocate Podcast. Today we are here and we're going to do a slightly different uh, episode this week. Uh, So this one will be coming out one day later than normal, so we're going to skip the waiver wire section, but we will be covering the Thursday night games or the Thanksgiving games in replacement to that. Um... But first, uh, one thing I want to mention is what happened this week in the Dynasty League that both me and Advocate are in. So <clears throat> so what we decided to do is we were both going to bench our entire teams except for defenses this week and see who could uh, pick the worst defense. And, you know, um, I'll, I'll let uh, Advocate explain how this one went.
1: <laughs> all right so basically p- to put into context we're both 11 and 12 and in a dynasty league you're trying to when you're in a rebuilding state you're trying to lose games so we decided to bench every single one of our players except those two those two options or, or the defenses so i ended up choosing the jags who put up two and then i thought everything was good and sack decided to put on the oakland raiders out beat me with negative two and that was that was hurtful but We'll still get the number two overall pick, it's just, it's not due for us to have the number one overall pick.
0: Right, now, uh, what's what's kind of interesting about this is we're not sure if this is a world record or anything, but both of our teams combined have scored exactly zero points while not benching our entire teams, so, I don't know, I feel like that's pretty interesting because that could easily be done just by benching the entire teams, but we did it while starting uh, defenses, so... We kind
1: of negated each other. It was pretty good. But now the fact that I'm not the number three overall pick, Big League is behind me. So <laughs> this ain't good.
0: Yeah. The only thing that's looking bright for you is that you got some good traits heading in for next year, whereas I pretty much gave up a lot of my stuff uh, to try and get talent this year, and nothing worked out. I My plan was yeah, to have me, a, a strong wide receiver core, and then just kind of figure out running back because it happens, and it, it didn't work out at all.
1: Yeah, the, the main thing for me was grabbing, so I have Lamb, Justin Jefferson, and T. Higgins, which on a dynasty startup is fantastic. And then at running back, Andre Swift is finally breaking out, which is good. I have Saquon on IR, and then Ronald Jones and David Johnson still on the team. The quarterback is my only iffy spot, and then tight end as well, obviously, because uh, who, who actually does have a good tight end? But it's looking pretty good. And I have three first-round picks as well. Probably a look to go a guy like ETN or even a wide receiver or Trevor Lawrence or even a guy like Kyle Pitts, a tight end, who I am fully hoping that the Kyle Pitts train doesn't stop. But it's going to be interesting to see, obviously, because we're both in that league. Uh, dynasty leagues are a lot of fun. And I would recommend to you guys, if you haven't tried a dynasty league, I'm sure some, like both of us will be starting up a few in the spring. But I would definitely recommend trying it for your first time if you haven't.
0: Right, no, I agree. Uh, we all know with the first overall pick in the Dynasty League next year, I'm taking a kicker because, um, you know, nobody takes them. I, you know, if I'm if I'm gonna win, I gotta be bold, right? So yeah, no kicker, kicker, first round.
1: Oh yeah, uh, or you can trade your number one overall pick to me for
0: Will Lutz. Oh, actually, I'm kind of tempted now. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, uh, we'll just head straight into some of our games. Uh, we'll start with the Thursday night football game, Cardinals versus Seahawks. So, the Seahawks beat the Arizona Cardinals 28-21. to That was a pretty decent game. I expected a little more from the Cardinals, however, it was still a close game with uh, lots of scoring to it. Um... Kyler Murray on a down day still put up 20 fantasy points and if that doesn't tell you anything about how good Kyler Murray is this year I don't know what else will convince you that he is really good for fantasy. Uh, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds kind of surprise 16 and 14 points and then the Seahawks kind of just do their normal deal. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a good game Russell Wilson had a good game. Overall, though, uh, what's your thoughts on the Arizona Cardinals, uh, kind of like in next year's perspective?
1: All right. So, in terms of obviously, I'll go and cover this week and how, like, I think of fantasy wise uh, first. But like with with the Edmonds Drake thing, they're they're copying off of each other, and it's just going to seem like a backfield you don't want to touch. As like a, guys that you want to be starting. Uh, obviously, this shows that the Kyler Murray is the quarterback one. For fantasy football, if it's not Mahomes. So, like, they're both neck and neck, depends on the matchup, but Kyler Murray for me is the quarterback one. You see that his floor is 20, which is absolutely insane. But as you said, for next year, uh, next year is going to be interesting because I'm interested to see, like, their defense has a lot of loopholes um, on that team. So, I don't think this year that they're Super Bowl contenders by any stretch, but some of the moves that they could make in free agency and in the draft next year could pivot them into getting themselves right into that Super Bowl contention hunt. And with the Seahawks, they're in a similar state, but their defense is atrocious and it needs a lot of help. And it seems like Tyler Lockett straight up owns them.
0: Right, no, I agree with that completely. I feel like if the Cardinals can get uh, some more working on defense for them, like a better pass rush, or like say one other good target or... So on the offense, I feel like they could make a really, really good run next year. Uh, One thing I do want to note is I do feel like as Murray plays on uh, with the same uh, head coach, Cliff Kingsbury and all that good stuff, kind of builds up some chemistry. I feel like over time, they'll be more and more consistent and they won't look so inconsistent week in, week out. But right now, they show flashes to be a pretty decent team.
1: Yeah, they for sure show that. and But the only thing is, is their defense at the times is very inconsistent. They've lost Chandler Jones for most of the year. So I, I do think that once they get Chandler Jones back, they'll be in a better spot. But I think they might have to make some changes as well on that defense. Uh, I think their offense is pretty good. Maybe they lose later if it's Gerald this offseason. I'm not too retirement, but we're not sure. But I I think in terms of offense, they, they're electric, especially with Kyler Murray running football. But I they they do need to make some moves but i think they could be in super bowl contention coming up soon but uh i will say for the seahawks i kind of want to get into this topic because simply nobody do like do you believe in chris carson for rest of the season and like when do you expect him to come back like and if he comes back do we expect the same production that as uh, we once did earlier on in the season
0: uh personally myself i feel like we can expect some, like maybe not complete uh, what we had before but kind of like a slight downgrade to it uh, the Seahawks normally are not one to go with like a committee type approach they they like to just kind of play with normally one running back and Chris Carson like last year he had fumbling issues but even with that they just kept playing him. so I don't see any reason why that changes anytime soon whenever he recovers and becomes healthy.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And so moving on into the next game, we have the Patriots and the Texans. And I got to say, the Patriots have fallen off. And the Texans, it kind of hurts as a Dolphins fan because our draft pick isn't as high as it once was. But Deshaun Watson looks really good. And I, I don't know how like they need to be rebuilding around this guy, like retooling. But I don't understand why they're in a rebuilding phase. But this Patriots team does not look good.
0: No, they look pretty disappointing. Um, see, the thing is, is though earlier earlier in the year, like the early part, they looked decent. I I thought they could actually, you know, shock everybody, get like a ten win season. But that's definitely not looking like the case now. They are like the third. They're now like third best team in their own division. The uh, the Dolphins and the Bills have both looked better. Uh, this is probably this is probably the end of the Patriots dynasty. Uh, they signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal, and unless like somehow they get their hands on a, a rookie QB next year that somehow pulls off another like Tom Brady-type deal where they go on for 20 more years, which I highly doubt, it's likely the end of the dynasty.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough to see. Obviously, the reign of dominance is coming near an end, and obviously... It's glad to see it's a Dolphins fan. It opens a door for us. I mean, it's an end of an era. And that's tough to see. M- moving on into a fantasy perspective of this, Rex Burkhead towards ACL. So, in my opinion, James White takes a big or a big boost. But I don't think it's too much because Damian Harris is still going to be there. Sonny Michelle is still going to be there as like the runners. And White's going to only be there on passing downs. Um, and then Jacoby Myers kind of had a letdown uh, this week. So... I don't know how about you, but I think I don't know if we can trust him as a wide receiver too moving forward unless he's getting those targets, which he only had three for this week. And then moving on into the Texan side for me, Johnson is David Johnson 2.0. He averaged 1.5 yards carry. That's terrible. He'll have a good spot against the Lions. So I may end up starting him, may have him in like my top 20 rankings. But other than that, there's no confidence in starting this guy.
0: Right. Now with the Patriots, which is something you mentioned, uh, this is something that happens to the Patriots every single season is they'll have uh, guys who have big games. Then next week, they'll like heavily disappoint. And that's the problem with the Patriots scheme is they're super rotational. And this is something that we're probably going to see is I'm not sure if people are actually going to do it, but some people may pick up Demir Bird and then try and start I'm him gonna in a Yeah, yeah you're going to start him in the flex next, next week and then likely disappoint. Uh some some players just have random big games for the Patriots, but overall uh my my opinion kind of stays the same from what I had beginning a season as I rarely trust Patriots players. Uh, the only one who I did trust and didn't work out super well was James White. However, that could change uh due to uh Rex Burkhead being out, but even now, James White is a receiving back and Cam Newton's a QB. Cam Newton, being a really good running QB, obviously takes away lots of the checkdowns to James White. So that's probably the main reason why he hasn't been nearly as effective as past years with Tom Brady, who is arguably one of the best or the best part, pocket passing QB uh, in the game by far. And, yeah, that's that's my deal with the, with the Patriots is it's hard to trust any of the players week in and week out on them. Like, they'll just have random big weeks and are, like, streaks where they do well. But, overall, it's a rotation game at every single position except for QB for the Patriots.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that.
0: Alright, so, on to our next game, this one. This one was a really interesting game. And, okay, so I'm just going to say it, Missouri. Okay, this is where I live. You guys need to wake up. Why isn't sports betting legal? Because I was about to sink some money into this game. Uh, so the Titans versus Ravens. The Titans were six-point underdogs heading into this. I'm like, man, how are the Titans six-point underdogs? The teams are pretty even. I could see either team easily winning this game. And... You know, if, if sports betting was legal here, uh that'd be nice because I could have made some money. But Titans ended up winning in overtime due to a Derrick Henry run 30 to 24. Uh overall the the whole Titans team looked really good in this game. Tannehill looked good, Henry looked good, um Corey Davis kinda surprised with 113 yards. Uh, A.J. Brown had a somewhat disappointing day when it comes to catches and receiving yards, but he did end up getting a touchdown, which saved the day against a tough Baltimore Ravens secondary. So overall, nothing really to complain about here. Plus, you got an extra fifth quarter in the game to help uh, Henry have a really good day.
1: Yeah, and I will uh, go ahead and say this with the Titans. They... Look a lot better than a lot of us expected, and with the Ravens, they have disappointed. I know there's some people like uh, Colin Coward, who said they were going to go 16 and 0 as a revenge tour. That's ridiculous, but nobody should ever predict a team to go to 16 and 0. This Ravens team has a lot of flaws. They cannot throw the football down the field, and Marquise Brown is one of the bigger fantasy football busts, and that's that's terrible to see. Running back unit still is a clog. It's just nothing that you want to deal with. Of course, when J.K. Dobbins comes back, he, he had a sixty per th- 63% snap share and then a 75% opportunity share. So maybe that's a league winner down the road, but that's the only guy I'm kind of excited about on the, besides Mark Andrews, of course. Mark Andrews with Nick Boyle had a fantastic day. And on the uh, Titans side, uh, I, I, I do want to get into a, uh, a slight Johnny Smith slander because this dude gets outsnapped by Anthony Ferkser and yet he has, he has one game where he just has a one yard TD and that's it. And somehow he does it. He leads the league in touchdowns, but they're all one yard touchdowns. It's ridiculous.
0: Do you remember like two, I can't remember the exact amount of number, but like a few weeks ago, Anthony Ferkser was the, the point scorer for the week in tight ends, with like 23 to 25 points. And then Johnnie Smith did nothing. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it weird, it, it's yes. kind of it's kind of a weird situation. As of late, Johnnie Smith has not looked near as good as early season Johnnie Smith. And that's kind of concerning. So he definitely drops off the list of tight ends that I trust every week now. Just because, you know, the backup tight ends getting more snaps. And this week the stat line has very similar results for both players except that Jonu Smith did get a touchdown, but both of them had four receptions. Jonu Smith was able to get 20 yards from it, and Fersker, 33. So if it wasn't for the touchdown, Jonu Smith is looking at a pretty pretty bad six-point game while splitting time. If he wasn't splitting time with Fersker, uh, he would be a solid every-week option, though.
1: Yeah, and moving on to tight ends, uh, or... Uh... Losing tight end eligibility. We have the Saints and the Falcons, and I know the amount of people that are their hearts are broken off of this Taysom Hill losing his tight end eligibility after this game. But let's be honest, we all knew it was coming. As soon as he was starting a quarterback, there's no way they were going to keep him as a tight end. So I hope you ended up getting value, or I hope you actually won your week because of Taysom Hill. We, We obviously recommended it on last week's show. But Taysom Hill looks pretty good. That's weird as that is to say. He looks pretty good at quarterback. And um, before I slander Jameis Winston, uh, I will say Kamara, as of right now, we're looking at one game sample size. But Kamara kind of took a little bit of a backseat. He's not the RB1 that we we once thought in in terms of forward this week. And he's not getting the amount of targets as he he once was. And Michael Thomas, surprisingly, took a big boost off of Taysom Hill because he was feeding the ball to him. As well as Emmanuel Sanders, he was throwing the deep ball relatively a lot. So that's pretty good for the Saints team. Obviously, the Falcons disappointed. If you don't really want to talk about those, um, obviously because Curly and then Ridley and Jones, it's kind of a little bit of a disappointment. But on at, uh, we'll talk about it later. But on the Saints side, how do you think of Taysom Hill and what do you think of his debut? Obviously, twenty-four to nine against the Falcons.
0: Right. So I know that back, uh, like this this week, there was lots of debate. Hey, who should be the starting QB for? The Saints with Drew Brees out, should it be Taysom Hill, who has been like a gadget Swiss Army knife type player all year when he's been there? and Or James Winston, who was with the Buccaneers last year through 30 interceptions, looked decent, uh, but again, through lots of turnovers. Uh, I feel like they went with the right move with Taysom Hill because he had a pretty good day. However, I am going to say that this is kind of a warning to you. Uh the Atlanta Falcons are one of the better QB matchups for uh or for QBs obviously in the league. They are a bottom five defense in fantasy points allowed to QBs. So it's kinda hard not to do good against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh but yeah, so Taysom Hill looked good, however with tougher matchups, uh don't expect near as much. But Yeah, so whenever they took Taysom Hill off of Titan eligibility, which they should have done. They should have never had him on Titan eligibility to begin with once he was was named the official starter. But, you know, if you took advantage this this last week, uh, good for you. You're at least being a smart fantasy manager and at least doing the right thing to try and gain an edge. But, again... you listen to our show. Yeah, if you listen to our show, you would have known about this. And the deal is, though, just don't expect don't expect 24 25 point performances week in week out unless they're playing unless the Saints are actually playing a a really favorable matchup for Taysom Hill. Uh Taysom Hill isn't hasn't really doesn't really have the experience at QB. Sure he looked good, but again, you have to remember and keep in mind that this was a great matchup.
1: Yeah, and I will say it, it was a great matchup, but also you got to keep in mind with a quarterback like him when you don't have tape on him as a quarterback It's hard to really see what he's going to do because we all thought this was going to be a power run scheme. And then very early in that game, they were basically daring Taysom Hill to throw, and he was. And he was throwing the deep ball, and he was throwing it relatively well. So it's a thing of with – you combine it with the fact that nobody really had tape on Taysom Hill as a quarterback in the NFL, along with the fact that it is a subpar NFL defense. it, it It was a good recipe for Taysom Hill to have a successful day. Um, obviously we'll go and move on to the Falcon side. Todd Gurley was outsnapped by Brian Hill. That's a Todd Gurley slander. We always do that here. Brian Hill. It seems to me like when they are down in games, Brian Hill is the guy and Todd Gurley gets almost no receiving volume. So that's something to know if they're in a matchup where they're not favored to win. Brian Hill is taking over Todd Gurley in that spot. And then, obviously, Julio Jones, his hamstring tightness, he might be out one to two weeks, depending. So, Ridley looks like a solid option, and also Russell Gage, who had 12 targets last last week. So, in a matchup, again, that they're going to have to throw the ball, if that is the case. Russell Gage could be a waiver-wire pickup, if you're listening to the show. Um, On a Wednesday, obviously, he might not be picked up. So, if he's there, I could see him as a scoop, and as a low-end flex, but not anything else than that.
0: Alright, so I just want to mention something about Gurley real quick. I believe we mentioned this on last week's episode that Gurley is a risky touchdown dependent option and this is exactly what we were talking about. Um, Whenever the Falcons aren't doing well and they don't score points, uh, Todd Gurley's value pretty much drops because one, he hasn't been getting receiving work near as much as he has in years past and most of his points were coming from touchdowns. Now, he w- he was doing good uh in the league uh with touchdowns he w- he had like a lot of them but again without them he doesn't have much he doesn't have the yardage going for him he doesn't have receiving work going for him every week that makes him a very risky play some weeks he'll do really well and some weeks he'll have what he had now and put up twenty six yard or twenty six rushing yards on eight attempts and then only get one reception for three yards. Obviously didn't have a good game just because of that. Now, I am going to say, in some of my leagues, I started a Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley stack. I felt like the Saints were actually a decent matchup. Uh, I felt like the Falcons could give the Saints a run for their money this week, and I was completely wrong. And then Matt Ryan put up like five points, to my surprise. Who would have ever thought Matt Ryan would put up five points this week?
1: Yeah, that
0: was bad. That was really bad. And the, I I lost I lost in my work league because I started Matt Ryan. Because every week I'm picking up a new QB based on matchups. And I, I chose Matt Ryan this week. And I'm like, uh, he should do pretty well. And then he just did five points. Absolutely disappointing. And plus I had Calvin Ridley. So it's like, you know what? It's natural stack play. If Calvin Ridley does well, so should Matt Ryan, etc. It should help me win the league. And it, it completely completely backfired on me.
1: And Matt Ryan has not been not been the same. And so if you have the opportunity to stream a different quarterback, would go ahead and take that advantage. Because there, there is going to be some games where he pops off. But this was a game where it's a subpar um, subpar secondary who is down Marshawn Lattimore. And yet you put up five. Like It doesn't help that you're going up against Taysom Hill. So you're going to already get memed if you lose to Taysom Hill. So it's just not a good showing. It's just, uh, like, if you have another option, I would, but it's not something where it's too great.
0: Right. All right, so we'll get on to our next game. So this one is kind of interesting. I think we should talk about this. Um, Eagles versus Browns. Browns win the game 22-17. to Overall kind of a lowish scoring game. Uh, Carson Wentz, though, Carson Wentz has not looked good at all this season. He ended up throwing two picks in this game. He only also managed to put up 14 fantasy points. Overall, there's lots of talk about uh, what should be done with Carson Wentz. I want to get your opinion on this. Do you feel like uh, Carson Wentz should be benched in in favor of Jalen Hurts and see see what happens?
1: Uh... I, think I would honestly, that's it, it, just with how bad he's been playing. Like, it sucks to see because Wentz had immense potential and uh, potential. And this was almost like in RG3 sense in a way, where it's like see with RG3, you had the knee injury, he had a promising career, uh, and then after that, he just hasn't been the same. With Wentz, is kind of like he surprisingly uses his athleticism more than we were, realized before he got hurt. So, like, without his athleticism, he's had to turn into a complete pocket passer. And people have gotten exposed. Wentz has gotten exposed to doing this. RG3, um, just to name a few. So I think it's something where Wentz needs a reality check. I don't think he should be benched for the whole season in favor of Hurts, unless Hurts does immensely well. I, I think Wentz, Wentz does need a reality check. And I I don't think they have what it takes to win the NFC East. So I, I personally think the Cowboys snatch this division if it's not Washington. So I think it's between Washington and Cowboys for me. But it's just interesting to see how he's kind of fallen off from being an MVP candidate. He got hurt, and now he's just not the same. Um, And then the Brown side, I will say this. Chubb and Hunt isn't something you should worry about. Don't worry about snap counts when you see Chubb and Hunt because Hunt's just there on passing downs, so he's going to get a little more. But Chubb and Hunt play a lot together. Um, they they run plays for them, and it's almost a fresh breath of air. or It's a great breath of air for them when they sub out for each other. And they have Jacksonville next week. I wouldn't worry, and I would start both of them in, with confidence.
0: Right, no, exactly. Uh, like another thing to, to mention means they play Jacksonville next week. The game script should also be in the Browns' favor, which also we both know. With positive game script, this is a time that is really good for Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb in this game against the Eagles went 20 rushes for 114 yards. Solid performance. He didn't get the touchdown, but still got you over 11 points just from the rushing yardage alone. So in games where the Browns are expected to be winning, uh, Chubb is like a must start every week.
1: And, uh, and I also would point out Hunt is a must start every week, even in a, in, even in a big, so like in a, in a positive game script. So if they're winning, Hunt's going to still get 15 carries while Chubb is going to get like 22 to 23. And if you look at it in a negative game script, Chubb is still going to have 19, oh, 18 to 19, and Hunt's going to have 13 plus three or four targets. So in my opinion, I would take Hunt over a lot of guys especially in versus Jacksonville next week, give me that all day with him, as well as Chubb, obviously. And I have a league where it's a a 10-man league, but I'm personally starting both Chubb and Hunt as my RB1 and RB2.
0: Right. And then one thing I also think we should discuss is Baker Mayfield. So back two years ago, everybody was ranking Baker Mayfield as a top five QB. Uh, The hype is completely dead now, uh, especially with the signing of Kevin Stefanski, who is the head coach for the Browns. Run-heavy system that has basically made both Chubb and Hunt uh, fantasy start-worthy all season long. Uh, Baker Mayfield just simply doesn't attempt many passes anymore in this game and games from the future. We don't see them attempting many. This game, he attempted 22 only had 200 passing yards no touchdowns all of the touchdowns came from the ground uh in this game apparently and i'm assuming some on defense too cuz i don't see any more in the stat sheet anywhere but yeah it's not it's not a good uh it's not very good for baker mayfield so baker mayfield going forward even in dynasty is just not promising uh, but yeah, this is a run-heavy yep. team that uses both their running backs very well, and that's what they're good at. And as long as as long as long they're both healthy and Kevin Stefanski is their head coach, you can pretty much guarantee that both of them will be getting combined at least 30 to 35 touches every week.
1: Yeah, it's almost like a poor man's Kirk Cousins in a way, because it's the same, basically, offensive philosophy, except... One has Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and throws the football more, and the other one r- runs the football more and has Jarvis Landry and Richard Higgins. Wonder okay. which one I'd rather have. The answer is Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield. I don't think I think he's looked better, a lot better, in this play action Kevin Stefanski scheme. Obviously, his numbers won't show that, but I think Baker is a good fit for this team and like. Honestly, they're doing really well record-wise, and I don't think that's something that they should change because Baker just looked good. It's just he doesn't get the touchdowns that he once did because he's not gunslinging the football. It's off of play action, and it's easy looks. So he's not really throwing the picks that he once was. And he's not really gunslinging, so he's not going to throw those touchdowns. So in terms of fantasy, he's he, doesn't, he looks terrible. But in terms of how the offense runs, he's a good fit for this Cleveland Browns team.
0: Right, he's not he's not taking a lot into his own hands. He's pretty much just doing what needs to be done every week, and it's good enough to help them get wins.
1: Exactly, and we'll go and move on to the next game. And it, obviously, uh, it's it's tough to see, but with the Bengals and the, the Washington Football Team, it's tough to see Joe Burrow go down like that, and it's also tough to see the fantasy outlook of T. Higgins and Tyler
0: Boyd. It is literally It is not looking good. So Joe Burrow, who was one of the better rookie QBs heading into this year and has not disappointed, is now injured out for the rest of the year. And Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon has now been put on IR, so he's going to be out for the next three weeks. Now, if you follow my page on Instagram, uh, I put out a story saying, hey, if you can and you have an extra bench spot, or to somebody who isn't worth like having a roster spot on, add the Giants' defense. So the Giants were on bye this week, and they are now going to end up be playing the Cincinnati Bengals, who are now probably one of the best targets for defensive streamers, uh, heading into the rest of the season. With no Joe Burrow, they don't have very good options at QB. No Joe Mixon, they are now playing Giovanni Bernard. Sure, they have receiving weapons, but. They're likely not going to be able to use them very effectively, which hurts their value tremendously rest of the season. Uh overall I can't think of a whole lot of other uh teams to be targeting uh defenses against other than maybe the Jaguars. Um yeah, but the Bengals and Jaguars are the two teams and, and the Jets. Those three teams I was about are like, lo- oof, thank yeah, God. Uh, I uh, said <laughs> so the Jets. I, I almost screwed that up there but those three teams are the ones you're targeting whenever you're looking for streaming defenses and if you could uh, because the Giants were on by you and you had a bench spot you could easily pick them up as a free agent and I did this in every single league I possibly could. Um, So this week I have the Giants defense in tons of leagues and if I don't I'm probably just going to look for one who again plays either the Jets, Jaguars, or and or the Bengals, of course, but I already got the Giants in as many leagues as possible.
1: Yeah, and I would agree, agree with that completely. As a matter of fact, there's a few leagues that I'm actually running two defenses and just picking a week ahead, versus so Cincinnati versus the Jets. Obviously, if you, have, like, if you have a team like Miami, who is uh, Miami who faces the Jets this week and then the Bengals next week, you're in a cold line for the next two weeks. Let's just say that for you. But uh, they're obviously 86% owned, so I don't expect them to be on your waiver wire. But it's almost to where you should, like, one week ahead. If you have the roster spot, I would almost be tempted to do what you did. Go a week early and try to acquire those defenses. Because those defenses are subtly going to win you games. And if you have the best matchups, if you go up against the Jets or up against the Bengals with Ryan Finley, you're going to have major success. But I really... This it, it sucks to see Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins take a downfall. I think T. Higgins is the guy who really takes the biggest hit right. out of this offense. But Tyler Boyd is still going to get slot targets. I think he's going to be a low-end wide receiver too. But T. Higgins, man, T. Higgins, I wouldn't say he's droppable because I'd like to see what he has with Ryan Finley. But I'm not looking forward to seeing what he's doing. And I hope for dynasty formats that Joe Burrow comes back and does
0: really well. Right. No, exactly. That's the deal is, uh, like, like we I mentioned this weeks ago, like when we were first starting up the podcast deal with our weekly episodes is that as the bye weeks uh, pass and as you get closer to the fantasy playoffs, your bench spots matter less and less. So that's why, uh, we have been advocating lately for getting handcuffs. And again, if you have the bench spots and you're comfortable with doing so, uh, Owning two defenses, like you mentioned, is actually a good idea. Now, I normally don't do this, but this week I did just because of the great opportunity that the Giants uh, defense had against the Bengals this week. Um, You could pick up a defense for this week, and then you can go ahead and pick up a defense, look look at the schedules, pick one against one of the three teams I mentioned, pick one up for next week. And then every single week, instead of looking for this week's matchup, you're just going to look ahead to next week's. And you just rotate them out uh, throughout the rest of the season. And you should always have a good fantasy uh, defense throughout the playoffs. And this could be the difference between winning your championship in second place. So again, if you aren't using the bench spots, you might as well. It's You're not really hurting much by doing that. And again, if you are using your bench spots, you should always be having your handcuffs for a fantasy playoff season. There's no reason not to. It's an extra security blanket just in case some of your top guys get injured. You have their backups, and other teams don't get them, and you won't all of a sudden be out too much whenever injuries happen because we can never predict them.
1: Absolutely, and uh, I want to go over a quick topic. Uh, Obviously, we shouldn't talk about the Jets Chargers game because nobody wants to talk about it, but obviously Herbert, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen's a top-five guy rest of the season, if you didn't think that earlier. I don't know what to tell you, but I want to focus in on Austin Eckler, and because Austin Eckler is coming back, do you view or how do you view Austin Eckler for the viewers that uh, who are listening to the show? How do you view Austin Eckler rest of season? Because I personally have him in my top six already. If he's playing this week, my rest of season rankings, I have him
0: at number six. Right. So I was gonna say I was I was thinking I may be a little bold on this, but with you saying top six, I I don't feel as bold now. I say top five uh, running back rest of season. So if we look at the points per game throughout the earlier part of this year when he was playing, he was playing at the rate of a top five running back, and that is if you don't count the game where he got injured because it wasn't a full game, of course. He was a top five running back. Now this, this you also have to keep in mind, was with uh, Tyrod Taylor at QB at the time, early part of the season. They now have Justin Herbert, who has been playing tons better than Tyrod Taylor ever has this year. And Justin Herbert also is not near as mobile of a QB as Tyrod Taylor is either, which will also mean more checkdowns and more targets for Austin Eckler. So if you ask me, with the with the weird running back landscape this year that 2020 has, Austin Eckler is an easy top five running back for me rest of season. And I know I drafted him in lots of different leagues, and I'm glad to have him back.
1: Yeah, and I will say this, actually, uh, Kalen Bellage had nine targets, Tremaine Pope had two, and then i'm gonna check josh kelly now but so josh kelly had two targets as well so that's 13 targets to running backs eckler should see about 11 of those so if you have t- 11 targets to austin eckler on top of the fact that he's going to take a lot of the running back work obviously because calen bellage is taking that right now and he probably will be demoted back to the practice squad or josh kelly hopefully think uh, would get demoted because he's abs- an absolute bum but um let's put it this way so we love eckler moving forward and if Eckler, I, I firmly believe this. If Justin Herbert had Eckler for the entire season, Austin Eckler would be a top-five running back in, in the standing. So it's, it hurts to see him get hurt. But I am a huge fan of what's to come with him. So if you want to move on to the next game really quick.
0: All right, so next game will be – well, this one's kind of a – it was this is a blowout. Uh, Steelers versus Jaguars. Uh, Steelers won 27-3. Um, I want to get your opinion on the Steelers, though. So far, the Steelers have looked really good. They haven't lost a game so far. And overall, their schedule seems pretty easy. Do you actually think we see a 16-0 Steelers team?
1: Oh, I I think it's possible, but I do believe that the idea of being 16-0 is, like, for some teams, just doesn't sit... Like, the way I would say it is... I don't know if you remember uh, like the 2009 Colts. They were 14-0, and and then they basically still sat their players because they were more worried about making sure that they were ready for what was to come. So I think that's something that you could take into effect. The Steelers think they want to be fully ready for the playoffs because at, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people, and maybe even the Steelers think this, that the Chiefs are going to be their biggest test if they're going to have to face them in order to make the Super Bowl. So it could be a situation to where even if they look like they're going to go 13 and 14 and 0, it's still going to be a situation where they might sit some of their players to try to get fully ready for that Chiefs game. And I will say this, uh, with their wide receivers, how can you not love all three? Um, All three of them are going to be ranked for, I think, a lot of our rankings are going to be where Johnson's going to be the one. Claypool and Juju, depending on how the slot corner and all those are going to be mixed and matched, but all of them are top twenty wide receivers in good matchups. And I want their and those wide receivers are absolutely amazing. And um, that's just awesome.
0: Right. So if there's one lesson to learn here, especially for Dynasty, if the Steelers draft a receiver, you need to be taking them in your Dynasty leagues. I don't know how the Steelers do it. But somehow, every year, they just tend to always have good wide receiver prospects. Even even their depth pieces always have uh, pretty decent weeks sometimes. And I, I don't know what to say other than that. The Steelers are easily the best team at picking wide receivers, for sure.
1: Yeah. yeah, so like even with that, if Juju leaves, they could be taking another wide receiver and they'd just be grooming him to be that slot guy. That's something we could keep in mind. Obviously, there's not much to talk about with the Jags here, except the fact that James Robinson on his worst matchup possible still gets 10 fantasy points. So if that doesn't tell you how, how much James Robinson's being used, I don't know what to tell you. He's a start for me, but we'll go ahead and move on to the next game. And this is probably the most interesting game for me at least. And that was a Kansas city Chiefs versus the Oakland Raiders.
0: Right. So over here in Missouri, us Kansas city chiefs fans are very happy about this game. Uh, I, Here's, here's my thoughts about the Raiders. They played the pretty much the absolute best they could have played and still came up slightly short. So, uh, Raiders fans out there, you guys have no reason to be upset. You guys put out uh, great play this week. You just didn't have quite enough, kind of like my Packers team, unfortunately. But, yeah, no, there's absolutely nothing to be disappointed about. Raiders played very well. It was a 35-31 ball game, high-scoring game. But overall, the Chiefs stuck to what they are best at. They fed their best players on their teams. Tyreek Hill got 27 points. Travis Kelsey got 26. Patrick Mahomes uh, continues to look like one of the best QBs in the league, putting up 21 points. However, he threw only his second interception of the year. Uh, Fun fact, both of his interceptions are against the Oakland Raiders. I mean, the Las Vegas Raiders, my bad. Um, And uh, let's... uh, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell both got uh, rushing touchdowns in this game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was able to get two versus Bell getting one. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire looks really good This uh, really good compared to Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I want to know what your thoughts are on Le'Veon Bell though. Do you feel that his career is definitely on the downturn? And what what do you think we can expect from him next season?
1: It's most in the downturn, and he won't be with the Chiefs next year. The next year, I'm a firm believer in C.E.H. Dynasty, and uh, I think Le'Veon Bell will probably find his way on a team uh, similar to Mark Ingram in a way. If Mark, Ingram, when Mark Ingram got the two years, ten million from the Baltimore Ravens, I think he'll go to a team like that and try to fit well, get a power run team. So even a team like the Miami Dolphins, like the Buffalo Bills, who are interested in him before, but he was he wanted to go for the championship. I think those will teams that try to who will try to want his services. But it's, he's definitely on the downturn. He's not a guy that you really want on your t- uh, on your team, especially your dynasty team, unless he finds himself in a really good situation, like Mark Ingram did with the Baltimore Ravens on a power run scheme. But I think the main thing for me, obviously, the Chiefs played really well. Quick shout-out to Byron Pringle, who had four targets before he got hurt. That was unfortunate. But Nelson Aguilar has come in and done really well and has kind of shut up the Eagles fans who've made fun of him. And Nelson Aguilar is outperforming pretty much everyone on that team besides, obviously, Jacobs and Darren Waller. So Aguilar, to me, is a wide receiver three that you may be able to start on good matchups because he's just been playing that well. Six targets, he's done really well.
0: Right, so we, we all talk about how Nelson Aguilar hasn't been able to, like, catch passes. Now we actually, after seeing how Carson Wentz played, we actually have to ask ourselves now, is this actually a Carson Wentz deal, or is this a Nelson Aguilar deal? Because now Nelson Aguilar, without playing with Carson Wentz and on the Eagles, uh, he's now on the Raiders now, actually looks decent, and it's kind of surprising.
1: Or is this a uh, is this a Philadelphia Eagles fans issue? I think this is, that could also be something because I think Aguilar got ran out of town when he really, I don't think
0: he should have. Right, exactly. All right, so on to our next game. So we're going to cover the only game that ended in zero points this week. Um, the Lions, the Lions, man, you guys put up zero points against the Panthers who, okay, Uh, Quick challenge name one player one defensive player on the Panthers. I dare you Um, Second off, how do you put up zero points against the Panthers defense? Uh, This is a 20 to 0 game I I feel bad for you guys Uh, TJ Hawkinson was able to do something because he's a tight end and he scored 10 points But other than that your whole team pretty much did nothing in this game. It it was terrible Uh, however uh, you guys play the Texans next week, so uh, much easier matchup. You guys should probably win that game on, on Thanksgiving, but I, I don't know. Uh, what What do you want to say? We got to do a little bit of lion slander for putting up a um, a zero this week.
1: Yeah, um, I will say this is y'all's fault for getting DeAndre Swift a concussion. A little karma. <laughs> I was pulling a quick counselor move by saying that this is all the Lions' fault for uh, DeAndre Swift getting hurt. But, um, no, so, like, this team, it was beat up. Let's put it that uh, put To put it simply, this team was hurt. Um, they, they don't have Galladay. They didn't have Amendola. They didn't have Swift. They, they lost a lot. Of, and, Deon, and Matthew Stafford had a thumb injury that they th- almost ruled out. They ruled him out for this game. So I think in terms of offense, they, they were just beat up, and they couldn't really do anything. On the Panthers' side, though, P.J. Walker looked really good. And I'm going to pose this question. Because DJ Moore obviously had a really good game from it. Robbie Anderson had a decent game. I'm gonna pose this question to you: Is PJ Walker as good, if not better, than Teddy Bridgewater? Or do we still? Because I think Teddy Bridgewater is still better than PJ Walker, but PJ Walker is able to throw the deep ball, and Teddy not able to do that. So I, I would still go with Teddy, but PJ Walker looked really good, and it's a good look for the XFL as well.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I'm not going to say P.J. Walker's better than Teddy because I don't believe that. Uh, P.J. Walker threw two interceptions. However, P.J. Walker is actually like if the Panthers decide going forward that they want to just go with a cheap QB option. P.J. Walker does not look half bad and you can actually win some games. Um, And again, I think this also proves that D.J. Moore is actually a really talented wide receiver And just Teddy Bridgewater just keeps overlooking for some reason. You bring in P.J. Walker and D.J. Moore gets 127 yards. Uh, It's kind of crazy. We haven't seen this very much this season. And to me, that's shocking. I think, however, the more interesting question is, uh, if the Jets actually played the Lions this week, would the Jets have actually won a game?
1: No. I would have still taken the Lions over this Jets team
0: interesting, interesting. <laughs> if this
1: beat up Lions team i would have still taken over the jets but uh as a matter of fact now that we got on the uh the pj walker talk i think it's time we do our uh our word of the day shall we or for word of the episode
0: all right so with the last name walker i think it's only kind of fitting
1: so i'm, I'm actually gonna throw this out there okay. because i think this is a really unique scenario i i, I don't know if you know this but pj walker Robbie Anderson and Matt Rule all played, or all were on the same team at the University of Temple. So I think this word should be Temple.
0: You know what? That's a good one. I like it. So yeah, so a keyword.
1: You, so if you want to tell them how that the keyword
0: works, very simple. So you listening to the podcast right now, you have the opportunity to receive a free shout out from both of our Instagram accounts. All you have to do is go into our DMs and DM us one word all caps and it's our keyword this for this episode is temple t-e-m-p-l-e uh you do that me and him both dm each other quite frequently once that happens we'll send a screenshot and we'll both uh give a shout out to your to the instagram page of your choice um and that's that's it that's the simple rules is listen to the episode find the keyword dm us that keyword and receive a shout out it's very simple
1: exactly kind of, I find uh, I kind of find it cool that rule Robbie and PJ Walker all came from temple That's kind of cool especially a team that's not really as recognized as like let's say Obama or even like Virginia Tech like, that's kind of cool
0: Yeah no that's really cool because it's easier to get lots of teammates from like really good college teams but from a team like Temple that's a lot more rare so that's something that whenever we see should definitely be something keyword worthy.
1: For sure, and we have three more games to cover, so we'll go ahead and cover those quickly. Uh, well, let's go ahead and go through this one quickly because, quite frankly, I don't want to talk about it. Um, we'll play Marvin's room in the background if, if we want to, but it is the Dolphins Broncos game, and I am disappointed as a Dolphins fan. You can take over. <laughs>
0: um, so we we'll, because advocates a Dolphins fan, we'll skip on the Dolphin slander this week. However, I still feel like that <laughs> benching Tua was the wrong move. I feel like you should continue with Tua. Uh, he. He's he's an okay option. He's hasn't done really that bad. Sure, I mean even whenever Fitzpatrick came in, he threw an interception. Uh, the only reason, the only reasoning, and uh, Nick Agralano from Big Dogs Got Eat brought this up as a point on Twitter, is that the only reason I that he feels that uh Tua was benched in favor for Fitzpatrick is that if you look at the yards per attempt, is that. It is much lower with Tua. He's more of a check-down type of QB than Fitzpatrick was. And when behind in the game, you kind of want somebody who's more, a little more willing to sling the ball a little deeper to try and get back in the game a little quicker. It makes sense, but still, I feel like Tua's your future. I, I feel like you should just keep playing him unless he was, like, putting up Jameis Winston-type pick numbers, which he wasn't. He was doing all right. He was, he, he was just being... He he looked he looked kind of bad, but I don't see the reasoning to change. He could have uh, just went in the second quarter or second half of the game, devised a game plan, and came up with something. But again, I'm not the head yes. coach; it's not my decision. But that's my thoughts yeah, on it. You should have. You should like, I... go. Go ahead.
1: Uh, so, uh, as the Dolphins fan here. Ah, uh, this is tough. So basically, what I saw from the Denver Broncos game is the offensive line was not helping Tua. And So if you look at it this way, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a gunslinger. He will throw into contested areas, whereas Tua is not that guy. Tua is an accurate guy. He looks to throw to the open man, and the wide receivers just weren't getting separation. So obviously, it makes sense in a sense that Fitzpatrick just doesn't care and we'll throw the football, whereas Tua will a lot of times either check down, throw it away, just try to do whatever it takes to just not have to throw that interception. That's how Tua works. So, But this is either going to do one or two things with Tua. It is going to either light a fire in him or it's going to derail his confidence. And for me, I just hope and I pray that it is the first of those options right like no. trusting coach Flores
0: no I would see earlier before this game even started I was like hey you know if Tua continues to win and play well there is a good chance that Tua could have won uh, I know this seems to some may seem like a stretch but offensive rookie of the year was actually a possibility because if they won this game the Dolphins would have been in a five game win streak whereas Herbert Herbert hasn't been able to win many games he looked flashy but uh, when it comes to the wins, he hasn't been getting it done like Tua has. So you could make a point either way for who deserves it. Um, I don't know. What's your opinion on Offensive Rookie of the Year, though? Do you think Burrow still has a shot of getting it, even with it being injured? Or do you think uh, Herbert is now pretty much guaranteed to have it? I think
1: Herbert's kind of guaranteed to have it at this point. Um, I, I do think that Justin Jefferson needs to be up there though. Justin Jefferson needs to be up there. Edwards Hilaire, maybe. Uh, I think it all depends on how he finishes out. But I think the defensive rookie of the year is the more intriguing one for me, because I think Herbert's going to run away with the offensive rookie of the year. Defensive rookie of the year has a lot of guys. And we'll move on to the Packers-Colts game, but Julian Blackman has played fantastic. And for my, from my experience, Watching the Colts, I think he is the guy that I would choose as the Defensive Rookie of the Year for me, but that's the more up-in-the-air one, but I think Herbert is the guy in terms of Offensive Rookie of the Year that I would choose.
0: Right, no, I I can agree with that. Okay, so we already mentioned we're just going to skip the Chargers-Jets game. Nobody, Nobody really cares about the Jets, and... Second off, uh, we already mentioned Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, so there's not really a whole lot more to mention about the Chargers. Uh, We'll go on to the Packers-Colts. So this one goes into overtime, and my Packers take the loss. The Colts win by a field goal, 34-31. Jonathan Taylor, though, Jonathan Taylor kind of surprises this week. After all the slander that we did, he finally decided to shape up a little bit this week. He got 22 carries for 90 yards. And then four receptions for 24 yards. um I, I want to know what your opinion on uh Taylor is rest of season. Are you still very skeptical about him? Do you feel that this was matchup based against the the very bad Packers run defense or do you feel like we can uh, trust I'm, him I'm, again?
1: So uh I am uh, very much skeptical as the owner of Jonathan Taylor uh, slander. So I'm never going to give it into into getting rid of the slander until I know for a fact that it's 100% fine. and yes, the Green Bay Packers defense is one of the worst in, or run defense is one of the worst in the leagues. So I, I think it is a beneficiary of that. Um, I think one name I do want to point out though is Michael Pittman. Michael Pittman had a actually really good day, had a touchdown and I think Michael Pittman is a guy that obviously we had him on waiver wire episodes in the past, but I think he is a wide receiver through moving forward. Who Could even rise into the wide receiver two ranks if he continues to get more targets. We see on the the Packers side Adams is going it is fine. I, I do want to talk about this Aaron Jones Jamal Williams thing 50 50 is kind of interesting
0: Right. Well, here's the deal though. Even with the 50 50 workload uh, Jones still massively outperformed uh, Jamal Williams uh, Aaron Jones had 41 yards against a tough ball um, Indianapolis Colts uh, run defense And a touchdown, Um, Aaron Jones also had 30 receiving yards, whereas Jamal Williams had 12 rushing yards and four receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. So overall, Aaron Jones completely outplayed Jamal Williams, even though the snap share was pretty similar. Um, But again, though, slightly disappointed in my Packers play this week. However, we still look like a really good team and potential Super Bowl contenders this year. So there's really still not much to complain about.
1: Yeah. And then so for the Cowboys Vikings game, the one that we'll move into next, on the Vikings side it was pretty what we expected with uh the Vikings. Obviously, Adam Thielen is a uh obviously a wide receiver one and but he got COVID, so that's kind of interesting to see how that dynamic will play out. But I, I do want to talk about the Cowboys side in the sense of Zeke actually played really well, got it ended up having a touchdown. And also, Andy Dalton looked really solid and kind of gave a lot of these wide receivers kind of life. So in your opinion, first off, is the Cowboys, if you had a bet, who do you think would win the NFC East? And what do you think of Dalton and how he how he benefits some of these Cowboys guys in
0: fantasy football? Right. So surprisingly, whenever Dak went down earlier in the season and Dalton had to be the starter, uh, Dalton struggled. But apparently this week, he, he now looks pretty decent. And the Cowboys offense could be back to normal. If that's the case, the Cowboys are probably going to run away with the division. Because, let's just face it, the Eagles have looked bad. The Giants have looked even worse. And the Washington football team isn't great, but they're probably the only other team really that has a somewhat decent shot to possibly do it. So if I was to put money on the line right now, it'd have to be the Cowboys with Andy Dalton back. For me, they are the easy pick, even though their defense hasn't looked super good um i feel like they have the most potential out of the group to actually go somewhere um and yeah i'm glad to see that ezekiel elliott is back and actually looks somewhat decent 21 rushing attempts 103 rushing yards and was able to get 11 uh through the air through from from some uh receiving work uh with adam thielen though adam thielen getting covid uh this is a huge plus for justin jefferson as long as he can as long as he can beat the uh, beat number one corners this week, uh, I'm not saying that he is like the number two receiver on the team, and that he hasn't faced wide receiver or not wide receiver corner or cornerback ones on defenses this year because he definitely has. Uh, this is just gonna be mean that there's an increased target share for Justin Jefferson, and he's looked solid all year, so I feel like, uh, moving forward right now. Justin Jefferson seems to be a very intriguing option, and someone that is. Yeah, I'm probably going to call a must start now.
1: Yeah, for next week, I think is a definite definite start that I would have almost uh, over a lot of guys. But I will say there's always the there's always the idea or sorry the not the idea but like notion. I, I wouldn't even say the notion. It's always. There's always one week. The game plan is give the ball to Dalvin Cook and nobody else gets the ball. And versus Carolina, it just seems like that's going to ha- that could happen. So I'm I'm gonna say it. Dalvin Cook is gonna be my RB one for this week, no doubt about it. But Dalvin Cook could end up getting nine or like 60% usage rate, and it just doesn't have. You just don't have opportunities for Justin Jefferson. I think that's entirely possible. You never know with this Vikings team, so that's something I will throw out. But Justin Jefferson is a guy that I would heavily invest starting in for this week. I will say this with the, the the Cowboys side, Amari Cooper ended up having seven targets the highest he's has in his deck has left. Um, CeeDee Lamb had a good game. Dalton Schultz could be a tight end one moving forward with six targets. Um tight ends never get six targets, so that's something to always keep in mind. But I'm so glad that Ezekiel Elliott is back. I I don't think I still don't have him uh I have him as my RB eleven rest of the season. But he is a guy that's looking a lot better with Dalton. And finally, it's good to see. But I think Cooper is, I think, the guy who's the biggest riser out of all this, who I think, in my opinion, is a wide receiver too moving forward, as long as he gets that volume.
0: All right. So we'll go on to the very last game, the Monday night football game, the Rams versus Buccaneers. This one was a close one. Rams win 27-24. One thing I do want to mention, though, is... So I normally don't like ask for fantasy advice from other other people too much, uh, but this week I decided, hey, you know what? I'm gonna act like I I need a flex spot filled. So I, I gave people a very kind of tough question this week. I asked like uh, four different people, and it was a fifty fifty split down the middle. My question this week was: Jonathan Taylor in the flex or Daryl Henderson? uh personally i was leaning uh taylor just because of the matchup uh both of them were are obviously stuck in committees so and then uh henderson had the bad matchup uh i do want to say though i i feel like this was a really tough uh decision this week regardless but generally me myself i'm always going with whoever has uh the better matchups uh but uh, this game, like I'm just gonna say it, the Rams running back situation looks very bad. Uh, Brown got three rushes. Henderson got eight for only five yards. Acres got five for fourteen yards. Uh, Woods, Woods kind of get some rushing work here and there. had two attempts, and then even Higby had a rush for one yard, which is kind of weird. Um, however, um. On the opposite side, Jones and Fournette's kind of like a similar situation, just with more upside. Uh, Jones has had ten rushes for twenty-four yards, and Fournette seven for seventeen yards and a touchdown. And I want I want to get your thoughts on this real quick. Uh, with Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown actually uh, had eight receptions for fifty-seven yards and kind of cut into Godwin and Evans' work a little bit. And Brown is the only one of the trio that did not get a touchdown this week. Uh, what's your thoughts on Godwin, Evans, and Brown moving forward, rest of the season?
1: Uh, so I will say before getting into or before getting into that, I will talk about this Rams team and how inconsistent they are. So it seems to me, and, and I I know you can agree with me after I talk about both subjects, but they. A good matchup like in a good matchup the running backs take over obviously in a committee approach but they run the ball the top five or they're in the top five for rushing percentage but in this game they just didn't run the football at all because in a a tight matchup they tend to throw as much as possible so that's why you saw woods cup all these guys have influxes so for me it's almost like you're you're looking at the over under and you're seeing how many points that they could score because if they score more and it's in a tight matchup, they're going to be throwing the football a lot, and Woods and Cup are going to be a lot higher of options. And Moving on to what you said with the, um, with the Antonio Brown, Godwin, Evans thing, they all had a good amount of targets. Godwin had 10. Uh, Antonio Brown, I'm pretty sure, had 10 as well. Mike Evans had, or I think Antonio Brown had 13. Mike Evans had nine. They all got a good amount of volume, and as long as they're in a the game, obviously Brady played like trash. And obviously, the Rams defense is a lot better than we give them credit for. But I'm not necessarily worried about any of them. Obviously, Evans isn't the greatest out of the options, but I do like Godwin still as like a wide wider, wider receiver 2-3, slash three, and then Antonio Brown as a wide receiver 3.
0: Right. No, I, I can agree with that. I feel like whenever Brown ended up signing with the Buccaneers, it kind of uh, limited all of their upside. But again, depending on matchups, they're they're start-worthy. Uh, but against against tougher matchups, I'm definitely a little more cautious. Um, that's going to cover all of our games for this week. Uh, we just got a couple more things we're going to cover real quick. We're going to uh, touch on some of the questions you left for us, and then we're going to cover the three Thanksgiving Day games. We're going to do some, some quick uh, game picks on that. We're going to see who can uh, get more right. And... Uh, we'll, we'll start off with the, with our very first question that came from my Instagram stories today. If you want to answer questions on the show, just uh, follow my page. Pay attention to the stories. I have a Dropbox there for like a few hours on every Monday. Uh, Fantasy Football Island asks, where do you value J.K. Dobbins' rest of season? So uh, I'm assuming that he asked this question before the news that J.K. Dobbins now has covid you can't really rank J.K. Dobbins very high rest of season. Uh first off, he hasn't even looked super great uh whenever he was healthy. Now with the COVID list, he is definitely a bench play. He's like a low end RB four, high end RB five RB five. He has lots of upside when healthy, obviously, but again, uh with the Ravens team there's just not much receiving upside for the running backs. Uh overall he's he he's borderline droppable now with um the COVID de- uh, designation, and uh, again, the bench spots are pretty valuable. If you want to pick up some valuable handcuffs or some extra defenses or or an extra QB, uh, those bench spots are valuable, and you should consider dropping, in my opinion, you should consider dropping Dobbins for, for a top-tier handcuff.
1: Yeah, I, I personally disagree in a sense of I think Dobbins still has league-winning upside if he does get back on the field. So I, I wouldn't say league-winning upside, but I, I would say he has RB3. Like He could, a good matchup, um, I think could offer you a upside to start. But I will say that Dobbins is severely hampered by the fact that he's on the COVID list. Again, if he's on the COVID list, that means somebody near him contracted it, and so they don't really know if he has COVID yet. He, so... That's the thing with me. So I think that he could be out for one to two weeks. Um, but if he comes back and sees that same snapshare, I think it's something that you should keep in mind. So obviously put him on your IR spot now and grab someone else. But that's something I would keep in mind. Um, so for one of my questions, it uh, comes from Hude Content, who asked Robbie Anderson or Jamison Crowder. And I'm going to s- say this. I'm going to say Jameson Crowder rest of the season, but Robbie Anderson in terms of next week.
0: Um. Yeah. No. I can agree with that. So, uh, on my recent posts on Instagram, which I haven't gotten on Sunday or today because today I'm recording the podcast and yesterday I was working it and had football games. But posts will be back soon. I was doing all the playoff schedules for all of the different positions, and I covered wide receiver. And uh, Jamison Crowder actually has the third best wide receiver playoff schedule from weeks fourteen through sixteen. And Jamison Crowder, like I mentioned before, is the only player on the Jets that I actually trust um, for fantasy, and he's—I wouldn't trust anybody else. Um, so for me, yes, rest of season, Jamison Crowder is no doubt the uh, the better option.
1: Yeah, and then so the last or uh, the last question that I want uh, that I'll go ahead and cover. Cause I, I, we do, we did answer some of these and then another one is unreadable. <laughs> um, so this one asked from it's from the Detroit Lions, then who asked how much does Taysom Hill starting affect AK?
0: Um, I think it obviously affects him a little bit as we've seen uh, the receiving uh, work is just not there anymore. Here's the deal. Taysom Hill is a Swiss army knife type of player. We've seen uh, Taysom Hill do everything on offense except for uh, play offensive line. He's played literally every position. So we all know he's mobile. Uh, we have we didn't see a ton of uh, rushing from Taysom Hill. But again, he has that ability. And he's not near as likely to check down as much as Drew Brees is. So obviously this affects him. However, again, looking forward, this could be a situation where uh, in upcoming matchups, whenever they're not facing really bad uh, pass defenses like the Atlanta Falcons, that they could just decide to give Alvin Kamara the ball 25 times in the game, and Alvin Kamara could be fine. It it just It's very matchup-proof to me. If if the Saints are playing a weak pass defense, and Taysom Hill and Sean Payton decide, hey, you know what, let's just start out, air not the ball, because everybody's over-committing to the run game. Well, at the same time, like the Atlanta Falcons did this week, have a bad pass defense, then Taysom Hill will continue to do well. But other than that, I'm tempering expectations on Taysom Hill, and then we could likely see these Alvin Kamara games where he just gets all of the touches.
1: Yeah, so that that's what the one point that I I'll mention too. Alvin Kamara obviously took a volume decrease, but a volume increase, a decrease still means he. He's still a top five option consistently. It's not something you should be completely worried about. Um, he does take a little bit of a slight dip, but I don't think it's something where it's something to be, like, very worried about. That That's something I wouldn't worry about at all with him.
0: Right. No, I agree with that. All right. So then there are three Thanksgiving night games. So beans, we aren't going to be doing another podcast, uh, Uh, Before the Thanksgiving games happen. We decided uh, we'll go ahead and cover uh, basically our game day picks and why we think they win and That's after that that's gonna basically be the end of our show. Uh, Do you happen to have the Thanksgiving games in front of you?
1: I Do so I also have them in order clutch uh, and Clutching up so the first ones the Texans and the Lions. I'll go and start out with this one I think the Lions win this I think Galladay comes back. I think Hopefully Swift comes back, but I don't think Swift will. So we're looking at where I think the Lions win this. I think my prediction will be 24-20. And I will say my it, this is a very fantasy football-friendly game. So if Swift plays, Swift is a must-start for me. Galladay is also a start for me. Um, I wouldn't start Marvin Jones, but on the Texan side as well, I would start Duke Johnson depending on who else you have. It's a very weak matchup that McKissick-Gibson, all of these guys have ended up like taking advantage of. So that's something I would t- keep in mind.
0: Right. This is a game where like, um, both teams particularly do not have good defenses. So overall, this could be a high-scoring game. And it's not necessarily because they're like, oh, wow, this is two powerhouse offenses. No, it's actually the complete opposite. It's like both these defenses are trash. Anybody could score on them. And... That's honestly basically something we could potentially see, especially with Deshaun Watson at QB, who recently, without Bill O'Brien, has looked somewhat decent. Uh, but again, the the running back situation for the Texans hasn't looked super good. But with a good matchup, Duke Johnson is potentially playable. Um, uh, you, uh, which which team did you pick again? I Took the uh the Lions. All right, so I I was gonna take the Lions too as well. I can agree with that uh, again, though, uh, with with Matthew Stafford having being uh, a game, basically a game time decision last week. If, if Matthew Stafford isn't healthy, I'm obviously going to take the Texans here, but I'm assume, assuming that Galladay's healthy. Uh, Matthew Stafford does play this week and all that good stuff. Uh, Lions, uh, no doubt, have to be the pick for me. Uh, next game, this one's pretty interesting. This one has a, a, a huge, huge stake in what happens in the NFC East, the Washington football team versus the Dallas Cowboys. Now, these are, like we mentioned, the two teams that we expect to potentially win the NFC East. Um, after seeing both these teams get a W last week, I, I want to know what your thoughts are on this one.
1: All right, so here's what I think. I personally, as much as we've been hyping up the Cowboys, I think I'm going to make this a nice old debate. I personally think I'm going to go Washington on this. Washington has a stout defensive line, a front seven that's very good. Um, And I think it could give Andy Dalton a lot of troubles. It did last time around. Obviously, he got hurt later on in the game, but it gave him troubles last time. And I think this Washington football team is... I love how I can call it this Washington football team, and that's their actual team name. But <laughs> but they're improved, and I think Alex Smith could give them a lot of uh, could give them a decent amount of trouble. So I am personally going to take the contrary, and I'm going to take uh, the football team in this one.
0: All right. So I'm gonna... in
1: terms of in terms of fantasy, uh, Zeke's a start. Obviously, Gibson and, and Gibson's a start. McKissick's a risky start, and then obviously Terry's a start, and then Cooper is a volume based wide receiver too.
0: All right. So as far as game picks, uh, I'm gonna go with the complete opposite of you, and I'm gonna go with the favorite here. Uh, Dallas Cowboys should win this game. Uh, their offense looks good with Andy Dalton back, and I'm not sure whether this was just because they were playing the Minnesota Vikings. That I'm not sure. Uh, Washington has been sneaky good uh, against the pass this year, but the running game. The running game should be on point. Ezekiel Elliott should do very well in this game. And overall, if if Zeke Elliott does good in this game and uh, Andy Dalton can just manage to hold up, uh, this game should be a game that the Cowboys should win, in my opinion. I do feel like Terry McLaurin will have a day. Terry McLaurin has uh, quietly been, I believe, fourth place in receiving yards this year. And nobody seems to be talking about it. Terry McLaurin is a good, he's an elite wide receiver. And against a Cowboys defense, it's looking like a great matchup. Um, So, so far our game picks are we both picked the Lions, uh, you picked the Washington football team, and I picked the Dallas Cowboys. On to our last game, the Baltimore Ravens versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Do the Steelers remain undefeated or do the Ravens give them their first loss of the season? The
1: answer... No. <laughs> this team, Steelers, have. I, I assume, will have this in the bag. I think it'll be a closer game. And, like, I don't know what the spread is, but I, I'm, I'm going to take the Steelers on this, to be quite honest with you. The Steelers have just looked far too good. And I think that this game's not going to stop them. And the Ravens just don't look that great. Obviously, they have to win this game to kind of stay in the playoff hunt. But so this might be a game that they, like, come out, with like, guns blazing. But I still got the Steelers in this one. And obviously, it's a tough matchup for these wide receivers, but I cannot sit Deontay Johnson. There's no way. All
0: right. So, again, I'm going to go with the complete opposite one here just to kind of keep things a little bit interesting. But, you know, I believe in the Baltimore Ravens. I know we saw what just happened to them against the Titans. Um, But, again, I feel like with division rivals and division opponents, Doesn't really matter who is playing, they always find a way to just kinda keep games sorta close. And I feel like the Ravens could have could go out there and want and with the just sheer hatred that they have for the Steelers, just go out there and be like, hey, you know what? We have this opportunity on the line to hand the Steelers their first loss of the season and potentially help ourselves get into the playoffs with a Wild card spots, so I feel like the Ravens have a shot, and I feel like they're gonna take it, and I feel like they can take the win.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I think it's possible actually, and I think they're gonna have like a big chip on their shoulder because they want to defeat the underdog, the undefeated guys, but also they need to stay on the playoff hunt. They are currently, if you look at the playoff picture, where it has like the top seven teams, and then like obviously the two guys after, they're currently in. A, in 10th place in the playoff hunt like behind Miami behind uh, they're in the same realm as Miami and like the Oakland's ahead of them Cleveland's ahead of them so they need to do some catching up if they want to make the playoffs so I think it's entirely possible that that happens right again uh, of course I'm gonna take the Steelers on it
0: right again here's the thing though the Steelers overall have like an easy schedule I believe heading up rest of the year but if there is a team that I feel like has the best shot to at beating them it, it's honestly probably going to be their division rival, Ravens, who looked good last year, not so well this year. But I feel like, like again, with a chip on their shoulder, division game, uh, they have to win to stay in the playoff race. I feel like the things are all lined up where there's a decent shot this could happen. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that is going to end our show for this week. Uh, This is the Thanksgiving... Edition of the podcast, I guess you can say. Um, uh, real quick, where can they find your socials? That way, they can keep up with your content.
1: Uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Fantasy Football Advocate, on Twitter at Advocate Fantasy, uh, TikTok as well, Fantasy Football Advocate, and um, also Jonathan Taylor Slander Headquarters is another way that you can find me. Um, also, happy holidays to you guys! The Thanksgiving and. I'm looking forward to these Thanksgiving Day games. It sh- this should be good. And also make sure the keyword is Temple if you uh, if you didn't get a chance to uh, write that down first.
0: All right. And then again, you can find me on Instagram at sackattack underscore fantasy football. You can also find me on Twitter at sackattack underscore FF. Um, I, I do have a TikTok account. You can check that out by, again, searching up my name. But I uh, haven't posted much. But, you know, it's just a consideration. Could decide to post there. Um, but again, check that, check me out on Instagram and on Twitter. Those are the two places I am most active. Uh, that's going to be all have a great Thanksgiving. Don't spend your whole paycheck on black Friday and, uh, don't forget to use keyword temple for a free shout out. That is all. See ya. Peace cool. out boys.